0: We join once again by Narina Fissa, strategist at ETFSA. Nareena? Good morning, good morning once again. <laughs> no pressure nice to have a double bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No pressure. Unfortunately, um, uh, Eddie asks. Um, I wonder whether Mr. Ramatibela will report for work today. Well, he's going to be out for the rest of the week. He is unwell.
1: So I have some very big shoes to try and fill. Go for and, it! And you know what? I can I can do halala,
0: but I can't do the laugh. Sorry, sorry. That's the best I can offer. That's good enough. You did well there, Narina. I'll keep practicing. How's (laughs) that? Practice makes perfect. By the end of the week, you'll be doing it better than him. (laughs) Narina, let's start in Japan. Now, despite significant stimulus by the Bank of Japan over the last year, there are still growing signs that the Japanese economy is battling. Now, how do you think Prime Minister Shinzo Abe will react to this? You know, we we know that the
1: Japanese economy is primarily an export economy. So for them, the level of their currency is is extremely important. And clearly they would like to have a weaker yen to boost their export um, market and the export sector in their economy. So um, although that was not the only aim of the the massive stimulus that we saw last year, this was certainly a result that they were hoping to achieve. And unfortunately, because of a lot of other currency wranglings and currency tug of wars. Sort of going on in the rest of both the Asian um, subcontinent as well as with the U.S. dollar and the euro in particular, um, this has resulted in the yen being quite a bit stronger than I think is comfortable for the, the, the Japanese economy. So one would expect, really, that Prime Minister Abe would, would step up to the plate and, and introduce additional stimulus um, measures to try and weaken that, that uh, yen. But the reality is that a lot more important for him at this stage is getting the budget approved for the current fiscal year, um, this is expected to be done week after next. And um, if there's any hint of, you know, additional policy stimulus, the coalition government that is currently in play could very well um, reject the budget proposals as it stand at the moment and say no, back to the drawing board. So expect for the next two weeks really that all focus will be on getting that budget um, approved. And once that is authorised later in March, they could actually go back to revisiting some of these stimulus measures. So it is certainly causing quite a bit of volatility in the Japanese economy and the Japanese markets in particular, and we saw that those those Japanese markets were performing quite poorly so far this year, but I do think that there will be, you know, an, the end is in sight sort of in terms of the, the the some of the weakness that we've seen so far in 2016, um, but at this stage, all eyes on the budget, much like
0: at home. <laughs> mm. But we, we do tend to focus a lot on the Chinese economic growth and Chinese stock markets, but What is the state of China's corporate sector, arena and in particular their banks?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of concern around um, not just the health of Chinese banks, but the the spiking and and fast-rising debt levels of Chinese banks. So we've certainly seen credit growth in your Chinese banking sector, um, it's, you know, accelerating past the level of economic growth in China, and for many people this is a concern that it is not sustainable. I guess what is important here is to, to identify what that credit is being spent on, and if you think of the extent of infrastructure spend and spend on, on building things in China sort of during the previous part of their economic growth cycle, and you now compare it to the shift in switch towards a more consumer-led economy, um, a lot of that credit growth is going towards consumers. And I think that's where some of the concern comes from. You know, that's not productive, that is not adding to the type of economic growth that China and those exporting to China have have become familiar with. And yet this is not a a, a bad form of credit necessarily. Certainly the U.S. economy has has shown very successfully that um, this type of credit growth and then um, does translate into into real economic growth on the ground as well. So, But there's definitely a concern around China's banking system in particular. And, of course, one of the, the biggest challenges is the fact that it's so difficult for us to understand and, I guess, to some extent, trust the official data that does come out of China.
0: And um, Narina, of course, there's more to Asia than just Japan and China. The rise of India, that's one that shouldn't be underestimated. But where do they find themselves in the Asian tug-of-war?
1: So, so yes, India absolutely by far the strongest rising um, region and, and economic um, sort of growth <clears throat> and very interesting in terms of India is of course that it doesn't have resources it is not a commodity exporter in fact that economy is built very strongly on services and a services sector that serves the rest of the world. Um, you only have to think of the number of call centre calls that you've received from India <laughs> even here mm. in South Africa So, um, but along with all other emerging markets um, and emerging market currencies, The, the Indian rupee has been Asia's worst performing currency just after the South Korean won over the last three months. And, um, you know, when you want to try and um, maintain an economy that is also focused on a different type of export, in this sense, a services export, that weak currency does actually assist the Indian economy. So um, just like we find here at home, the weakening of their currency has resulted in in rising inflation. But at this stage, they seem to be more comfortable dealing with the high inflation and will allow their currency to depreciate, albeit at at a slightly slower pace than in the past. So what we've seen over the last few weeks is that they are actively rebuilding their currency reserves because I think for them the focus now is not so much on the level of their currency but maybe the stability of that currency and having the war chest of a a big foreign exchange reserve chest that can actually allow them to, to, to better control sort of the level and the stability of their currency.
0: Narina, thank you so much. A double dose there for this morning. And just before you go, a quick one here from Ambrogino who says, uh, please introduce Narina to royalty charges for halala on the show. <laughs> so <laughs> you can have a think about that. I uh, will have to. You, you can tell Ambrogino about that tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my best,
0: Regina. Thanks, Sakina. Thank you so much, Narina Fissa, strategist at ETFSA.